Welcome to the Sales Globe Rethink Sales Podcast. I'm Mark Danolo. And I'm Michelle Seeger. And today, Mark, we're going to have a very exciting uh, episode as we talk about the most important sales role dimensions. Mm-hmm. Now, we at Sales Globe have distilled that down to six. Right. And today, we're going to dig down into one of them. So, just to give everybody a quick foundation, it starts all starts with the sales strategy. And we know that as we look at that strategy, right, there's product responsibility that these guys have. There is market. We're going to be looking at market segmentation and channel uh, sales process. We'll be talking about marketing, technical, and any operations responsibility that these roles have. And, of course, capstoning that, any management responsibility we give them. And today we're going to talk about sales process in the reopening. Right, right. So we've been selling and working virtually for a long time now. What is it going to look like as we start getting back out into the field? Do we get it back out in the field in what way? And how does that change how we work with customers? How do we build relationship? How do we build credibility? How do we solve problems if we're working in a hybrid mode? That's right. And we have decided to really focus on these sales roles dimension because one thing that we've noticed, well, we've noticed many things, but one thing is we are, are seeing people going from working from home mm-hmm. back to operationalizing, right? And, and it's kind of like, what did it look like? It's almost like people have forgotten. Something that you and I call awakening from that COVID slumber. That COVID slumber, that's yeah. right. So let's take a look at sales process, the first of the six dimensions of the sales role. So Michelle, we're going to talk about sales roles here and what's been changing coming into the new environment, the reopening. Yeah, we're going to actually talk about the six dimensions of sales roles, aren't we, Mark? Yeah, so we we go into the six dimensions of sales roles. We go into it uh, in chapter two of the book, What Your CEO Needs to Know About Sales Compensation. And And who wrote that book? Do you know who wrote that book? Some, some, some bloke. I, I hear it. I hear it's such a good book that when you put it down, you can't quite pick it back up. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that it, book. But the six, six dimensions of sales role is also mm-hmm. on our, our website. But uh, in short, uh, sales strategy, product mm-hmm. responsibility, market segment and channel, uh, sales process, marketing, technical and operations responsibilities and management responsibilities. So the idea is if you take those those big six, you can design a sales role and understand the focus and the bandwidth. But today we're going to talk about sales process and what's changed uh, during COVID and as we're uh, coming into the reopening. Oh, that sounds great, Mark. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to set the stage, mm-hmm. we did this survey, uh, Sales Globe did this survey with World at Work just recently, COVID 360 survey. And, you know, I'm really big on finding the story and in, in things. And I think there was a pretty, there were a number of stories that came out of the survey, but one of them was this little storyline mm-hmm. that um, it, it built upon the, uh, the idea of expectations. And so from the beginning, we've been saying that we think there are two big drivers during COVID. They're going to drive behavior, fear and financial. So fear of what's going to happen and the financials of saving money or we're not spending money on T&E or commercial real estate. And then all of a sudden this little thing came along called expectations and people got used to working at home 
and and now they want to stay working at home. And so it's really an interesting dynamic. Uh, this one CFO I talked to last week, he said, this is the great experiment that never would have happened if it wasn't for COVID, that there's been a lot of uh, momentum uh, in general about not having to be in every day of the week, do the commute, the whole thing. And so the experiment, um, to him at least, was, was, was a really big thing. Yeah, so let's jump into what some of those expectations are, Mark. What we know is that today, uh, 60% of employees are working remotely, and we do know that that number was even higher, right, mm-hmm. as we looked at, at when we were in COVID. And of that number, 76% said that they want to keep working remotely on at least a part-time basis. Right, and that, that was um, that was from the survey. That was mm-hmm. 380 companies, 1,400 employees across industries. So right. uh, a lot of them working at home. They want to keep working at home at least part-time. But here's, uh, here's where the, the gap is that I don't think everybody's is quite seen yet. 76% say they want to continue working at mm-hmm. home. When you ask companies, not the employees, but the companies, what they expect, they anticipate 34% will continue working remotely. So there's a gap between 76% and 34%. That's pretty big. And, and then when the employees were asked further, 32% of the employees, almost a third said they won't return to work or they're going to look for a new job if their employer doesn't allow remote work. So we've got like this, uh, this impending collision course here that, um, I thought came out of this as a, as a pretty clear storyline. Yeah, and I just uh, really in full alignment with this study, Forbes just released a study, and again, it was you know, the Fortune 500 companies, and 70% of those companies said we're back in the office by fall of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have this, this thing right that's happening right now that is um, employees are wanting to continue to work at home, and we're hearing a lot that productivity hasn't suffered, and from the employee perspective, and employers are saying, gosh, we want to bring people back in at least part-time into the office environment. So, Mark, let's talk about what does that mean when we start talking about, you know, sales process and buyers and sellers? Well, I think, um, you know, when you look at some examples of of companies, I I think it's kind of interesting in that there was some information about Google Mm -hmm. where they said, well, we're going to go completely remote. And then that's changing a little bit. So oh, it's changing a lot, yeah. you know, they're, they're, so it just, they, um, you can go out to their website and look at everything they're doing, but they said, you know, like 60% of their people, they expect to be in the office three days a week. Another 20% will be in, you know, instead of having to drive into a city or a headquarter location, they're going to open these satellite locations where they can work out of, um, Amazon said that they're moving to that office centric you know, way of, of being. And we're starting to hear this from our clients. One of our very large global financial services company we do business with, they're in. They've been in actually for months. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other companies like that as well. Um, gosh, didn't you just read something about J.P. Morgan, 50% of their folks? Yeah, yeah. So so J.P. Morgan Chase bringing people back in um, subject to a 50% building occupancy limit. And uh, I know Jamie Diamond has gotten a little bit of flack for, for being the tough guy, but, uh, you know, I, I, t- I tend to understand what, what he's talking about, getting people back in. So so my big concern all along, Michelle, has been that it's 
it's interesting. It's 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 um, efficient to work remotely, but for the companies that rely on collaboration, for the companies that rely on innovation, that starts to break down relationship, as you mentioned before, in the sales process. That starts to break down as you're working remotely because we don't get the same level of contact. We don't mm-hmm. get the same level of connection and interaction. And, you know, we've, we've had people back in our studio here at Sales Globe for some time now. And you can, you can tell when you sit down at the table with somebody, whether it's somebody you're working with or whether it's a customer, that all the neurons are firing. It's a whole different level of interaction than when we're on Zoom or we're working on a, on a video platform. We also heard from some of our clients and and broader uh, out in the market that inside sales, there was a lot of conversation about that center of excellence remaining remote, but now we're starting to hear, oh, wait a minute, not so fast on that because there is something to be said for the camaraderie, the bells that are ringing, the, the coveted balloons that are handed out. Anyone that's part of an inside sales center knows. And so, um, one of the things that I question, Mark, and I'm, I'm, I really wonder about is when companies are talking about, we heard a lot about uh, productivity or even revenue didn't suffer that much or as much as they expected. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the long sales cycle, I'm still trying to figure out, okay, what's still yet to come? Right. Because right. we've had a really different year and those, you know, six, 12, 18 month sales cycles, we haven't seen the results of them yeah, very, very true. Yet. Very true. Yeah. So, you know, on the surface, uh, and we know from some of the other sessions that we've done that different sectors have come back, they bounce back at different speeds, and uh, it has not been a consistent recovery, but it's been um, very much different by industry. Uh, we haven't seen a difference by long sales process yet. Uh, you mentioned call centers. I think that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them coming back we're talking to some sales leaders who are saying, well, we've actually done pretty well remotely. I was talking to uh, the head of HR for a large telecom company the other day. And he said, well, our, um, our call centers have, or people have done well remotely, Yeah. but uh, he, and also another uh, tech company said, the people who are the tenured people have done well because they know what they're doing. What they're concerned about are the younger people and their learning curve, and they're still, they're not learning at the rate they normally would be learning because they're not together in that center of excellence. So they're not learning yeah. from, from their, their uh, teammates. And so I think there's some longer term things that are going to happen here when we start to see uh, the impact of that learning. So we can get, you know, probably similar productivity in the call center in the near term, but what happens in terms of onboarding those new people? What happens in terms of uh, the value proposition? I know with um, field sales, talking to some sales leaders that have had new people come on during this period mm-hmm. and they don't stick as long because they're just kind of disenchanted. They're disenfranchised because they're, they're working alone and they're not yes. learning from, from their, their teammates. And how many comments have you heard from leaders that have said leaders of, of companies that have started through COVID and said, I haven't met a member of my team yet. Oh yeah. I mean, many, it's, many. Yeah, it's just absolutely. common and yeah. there's a challenge there. So let's tie this into, um, you know, like, the process, right? If we're going to, we want to talk about sales process. Mm-hmm. So let's tie that in. Now, I am really curious to let, let's talk about the field sales role for a minute, if we can. So we have field sales people. They're not at conferences and conventions, right? They have been really selling 
through virtual communications, Zoom, whatever. Some have been on site, but very few. And one thing that I think a lot of, probably a lot of field salespeople do appreciate is, I don't know, we don't know if the five days a week on the road is is necessarily um, required anymore. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But also to say that they're inside sales and they don't need to be on the road anymore, I'm not so sure that's a reality either. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we got to watch out for mixing the jobs together too much because yes. I've, I've heard, heard this out in the market where, well, you know, our, our salespeople are now working remotely, so shouldn't they be, you know, operating more like inside salespeople? Ugh, shouldn't can't shouldn't stand they be that. paid like inside? And we're, we know, no. that, that's not inside sales. No. These are these are uh, salespeople that happen to be using a different uh, mode of connection. Right. But um, I think there are a couple factors. One is um, who is ready to get back out. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking to sales leaders, we're seeing some differences generationally that mm-hmm. some of the people kind of that fall into, I'll say, into my group, who are the people that are over 40, the old schoolers, they're ready to get back out on the road. They're ready to get back out with customers. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of the people that are younger than that group, millennials, et cetera, oh, me. are saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm just fine working virtually. I didn't, I don't need to go back on or why do I need to do that? Yeah. And, and, and so they're, they're much more, you know, connected with the technology. So I think it, it's, it's much easier for them. So there's a difference there, but then when you flip it around the other way and you think about the customer, mm-hmm. I ask the question, well, who is the customer? If you just take the generational cut, who's the customer generationally and what are they going to expect? And, are the post 40 customers going to be back in the office ready to talk or are, uh, you know, or are they, or the younger ones going to be somewhere else? And so if you have your people in the field out going to visit customers, are they going to be there? And so as we're looking at these rotational uh, schedules with companies, so they're saying, well, we're going to have, you know, 50% of our people back or 70% of our people back. And they're going to be on a rotating schedule of two or three days a week it's going to be a little bit trickier to hit those people when they're actually around. Yeah, I would agree with so that. So more of a moving target. You know, and what I'm what I'm wondering, what I think is that I don't know that generationally that will end up driving face to face from the buyer perspective even though certainly they have their preferences. I'm thinking that it's who the buyer is. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a CFO or a CEO or somebody that's responsible for a big huge capital expenditure, we have often heard, hey, I need some face-to-face here. I need to know that person who is who is talking to me and, and offering me this product and service. I would need them to look me in the eye. We've actually heard those words before. Right. Um, because I want to, if I'm going to make this investment, I need to know that they completely understand my business as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus maybe a more transactional sale. Oh, gosh, let's say, I mean, this is kind of a dumb one, but let's say you're buying... I don't know, notepads and pens for an office, right? I mean, you could be buying a lot of those, but does that require face-to-face anymore? I think those are the questions that companies need to be asking. Yeah, yeah what, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I think, I think, think that's going to I think that's gonna sort itself out. I think contact's going to become a lot more intentional versus people just making the rounds, making the calls. I think those, those meetings, those interactions are going to be much more purposeful in terms of, of building the relationship because that's going to be one of the challenges here is how do you build relationship if you're continuing to work remotely. Huge thing to think about when you're thinking about the sales process. So if we're expecting people to be more intentional, that means that how they plan for that visit, right? Account planning 
we believe is going to be really more important. It will, yeah. And yeah. understanding, you know, what that, what's the attentional meeting going to look like? And then what happens when I'm not on site? I think those are going to be big questions that companies need to be asking as they look at the, the sales process of tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, and, and I th- I've also heard, Michelle, from sales leaders that they think it's going to be a bit of a chess game as well. So what some have said is, okay, every you know, a lot of these companies are going to continue to, to work virtually, and we're talking about salespeople, continue to, to sell virtually, uh, sell remotely. But then somebody, one of the competitors is going to make a move, and they're going to say, okay, no, we're, we're going to go right back out. We're going to be out in front of the customer again. And then all of a sudden, okay, well then – Everybody's got to do that in order yep. to, to match up, right? I think that that's where we're going to be headed. Right. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more face-to-face interaction. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it comes back to human nature. I, You know, I, I heard this program the other day about the uh, Spanish flu, and they said that there's so little written about the Spanish flu versus World War One because there were no s- heroes from the Spanish flu, mm. and people after that were just ready to get back to normal life. And I think there's going to be a lot of that human pull here. The people are going to want to get back out in front of customers, get back out working together. So Mark, I want to talk about one thing here, why we're, why we're on this topic. And it's something that we call awaking from the COVID slumber. Right, right. And I, you know, we, we really talked about this a little tongue in cheek, but this is the whole thing that, so let, let's give everybody a little context. So as everyone first started working remotely, there was that whole thing of like trying to get adjusted and then, okay, this is the way it is for a time. Mm-hmm. Then there became comfort and then a whole lot of comfort. I mean, such that, I, you know, this weekend in the wall street journal, they had this whole two page spread on what to wear as you reenter the workforce for crying out loud. Cause they're like, in case people don't know how to dress. Right. They so forgot. we've forgotten how to wear what we wear to the office. Okay. Anyway, it's, you talk about the COVID slumber. And they talked about, de- depending on how you want to come back to the office, the more casual to the more I'm on the career track thing will depend what you wear. Okay. Right, right, right. But anyway, it was, it, the whole thing being that then what we observed is people got really comfortable at home and on Zoom. And I started to notice and I started to talk to our teams and our clients, like this level of disengagement with this extreme amount of comfort. Now, I think multitasking maybe maybe just zoning out a little bit. Zoom fatigue, we all agree, is real. But now we're like shaking and waking people, right? And we're saying, come on back, you know? And so let's talk about a little bit of what we think that's going to be like. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like we've been in hibernation mode on a... Uh, <laughs> like the polar uh, bear? Uh, yeah, interstellar <laughs> trip. And we're starting to wake up now. And and uh, I've seen that with, with companies, with clients as well, where, um, you know, they're they're... They're not picking up. They're not. Their level of recall is not quite what it normally would have been. Uh, we're having to reinforce a lot more in terms of following uh, calls, following meetings, making sure we're reinforcing the points. Whereas if we were sitting in a conference room with people, uh, like I said before, those neurons would be firing and people would be connecting yeah. much more. So a different level of connection. So that that whole slumber thing. We were, well a while ago we were calling it bunny slipper fatigue. Yes. Uh, but it's kind of converted <laughs> into COVID slumber. So we need to shake people out of the slumber. So I think it's a, it's a healthy thing to do. So a couple of things in the sales process. Yes. Building relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's been one for quite a while. How do you build relationship 
when you're doing that, uh, doing that virtually. We've worked on a lot of client projects during COVID mm-hmm. uh, with people that we never even knew. We, I think we built good relationships, but when you look at it, uh, and that, that's been virtually, when you look at it from a sales standpoint uh, or a consulting standpoint, you can only go so far on Zoom. And I think that's where right. the question is going to be, okay, if you're going to continue to do some portion of your selling via, uh, via video, how do you build that relationship? Right. Yeah. So thoughts on that? Well, we've had actually some of our clients that have come back to us and I would agree. And they're like, gosh, I can't wait for our office to open because I really want to meet you face to face. So one of the things that I was coached on is that whole thing about it, always being mindful of and something that we talk to our consultants about whether they're remote or not is that opening up conversations personal, mm-hmm. getting to business and closing with a personal note. Mm-hmm. I think that um, being, you know, everyone putting their, their intuitions on to at least try to capture tone more, making that eye contact, you know, just tr- making sure you stay engaged like that is really important, I think, in, in the building relationships piece. And, you know, one thing I've talked to our team about is I know it's hard, but keep your face on if you can. You know, um, I'm starting to notice, we're starting to notice that, some clients and others, other companies that I'm talking to, they're saying, you know what, we're less on the screen now because people are just getting a little fatigued with it all, right? Right, right. So building the relationship, I think you got to still have that face-to-face when you can. But I think that personal business, personal. And, you know, remembering something like if, if somebody mentions something about, I don't know, their dog or kids or graduation or something and just bringing that up? I think the, uh, I think the personal connection is, is important. Um, I, I think that we are going to have to do a couple of things. One is we're mm-hmm. going to have to make an effort uh, as sales organizations to get back out in front of customers, mm-hmm. um, even if it may be out of the, the, new, um, the new pattern where, you know, if you're a salesperson, hey, you know, I'm going to be in Dallas on such and such, and you intentionally get out there and intentionally see them, even if they're not going to be in the office. I think we're going to have to do those things. And and then I think we're going to have to supplement. We can't rely just on relationship. And we talked about this a while ago. We're going to have to supplement with other ways to add value yep. to, to strengthen that connection. And one of our predictions is that we're going to have more data-driven problem solving. What that means is that uh, salespeople are going to probably be more um, enabled by back office resources that are helping them to do analytical problem solving. And we're starting to see that in some companies already where they're building Mm -hmm. their analytical problem solving capability. So the salesperson is coming to the table, uh, in lieu of just building relationship, they're able to have more information on what's going on in the industry, information on trends. They've done more analysis on the problem before they're coming to the table. I think that's going to be a differentiator. Yeah, and we've talked to um, our our clients about that, and even and we have given them that information, right? As as well, we've shown them how to do that. Yeah, right, right. So the whole getting started when we talk about process, that's probably one of the most important things that's going to happen is the ability for the salesperson to have data and information available to him or her, so that they can go to their clients, their customers, and say, "Hey, want to talk about what's going on in your industry?" 
want to talk about something that's going on with particular product services, I think that any app value that they can add will definitely help them build that strong relationship. Right. So if you're if you're a salesperson, if you're a sales leader, you should be thinking about where am I going to get that information from so I don't have to do it myself. I don't have right. to, quote, contaminate my job by doing all that background mm-hmm. research. But can I build that capability for my organization? Does that my organization have that capability to help me better prepare for these interactions so that I can be a better problem solver? And then the other one, Michelle, is what you brought up before, which is the strategic account planning or what we call aspirational account planning. So, you know, increasingly over time, not just during COVID, but over time, these big enterprise decisions are not made based on relationship or relationship between uh, two people they're made based on multiple executives or multiple people involved in that decision. So you've got to strengthen up your aspirational account planning about where you want to go from a, in a big way with, with your accounts in order to um, strengthen up that connection with your customer. So relationships not going to solve it on its own, which means who are all the people that I need to be working with uh, in the customer company? And more importantly, how do I create a vision where we want to go with the customer and um, the, you know everybody's still trying to solve a lot of problems right now so if you can create that multi-year vision that audacious um, vision that's gonna that's gonna make a difference in terms of uh, bu- building on top of relationship thanks for joining us and remember sales globe is a data-driven creative problem-solving firm for sales yes we solve your biggest sales challenges and we would love to hear from you about yours you can find us at salesglobe.com and connect with us on linkedin